Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, welcome back to In The Pink with me, Natalie Pinkham and Bose, helping you stay connected throughout these crazy times. Now, I've just finished my podcast with my latest guest and I have to say I am absolutely buzzing. I want to go running or something to harness the energy that she's given me. I was once told by a charity chairman that in life, people fall into two categories. They're either radiators or drains. They either warm and energise you or obviously the opposite drain you and it's important for your own well-being and success in life to surround yourself only with radiators well my guest is probably one of the greatest radiators of all time i'm talking about eddie izzard eddie is taking on a mammoth challenge of 31 marathons in 31 days of january and then she's doing a stand-up gig at the end of every marathon, raising an extraordinary amount of money in the process. Her campaign is called Make Humanity Great Again. Now, whilst Eddie has boy mode and girl mode, fully explained in this podcast, she prefers to use female pronouns, hence me calling her her and she. That's in case you were wondering. We talk about all sorts of things, including politics, her own political aspirations. We touch on transgender issues, her own journey having come out as transgender way back in 1985 and the gradual transition that she's made ever since. The hurdles, the opposition and the joy that she's found in the process. Now, I'm not going to give any more away other than to explain that she is actually running throughout our chat. So there may be a bit of puffing and panting. If you check out the podcast on YouTube, you can see the full film with her on the treadmill because she's on marathon 19 of 31. Right, I'm not saying any more other than to introduce the wonderful Eddie Izzard here on In The Pink. Hi Natalie. Hi Eddie, how are you? So day 19? Yes indeed. 31, tell us where in the world you are. Well we're running a virtual marathon for Tallinn, the capital of Estonia today. Um, so on 19th of January and on the 19th of February Last year, 11 months ago, I was actually there running in Tallinn in Estonia. Uh, and the pictures behind on the stream, people can see if they're watching this stream, they can see Tallinn photographs going behind. So that's what presenting their flag is there, the Estonian flag. And uh, my body's falling apart a bit. Is it? 
I'm hanging in there. You've got a bit of an injury, a thigh injury, is that right? I have a thigh quad injury on the left. I have the middle toenail, Ooh. middle toe, the toenail coming up. I'm sort of probably going to lose that. On the right foot, I've got a weird ache on the outside of my right foot. And I've got tenosynovitis in my shin, which is where the uh, tendons are getting inflamed against, I think, the, the sheath that they're in. They rub and they were creaking before. They're getting, it's getting a little bit now, but that's all strapped up on the right side, strapped up on the left hand side. And, uh, and also, I've, I've already run 18 marathons in 18 days, so I'm exhausted. And uh, you start on empty and you just carry on on fumes. Yeah. And, and how does it compare? I'm sure you'd much rather be there in person in these beautiful cities around Europe. But you're on a treadmill at Riverside Studios for obvious reasons. Yep. How does it compare? How do you keep yourself motivated on a treadmill? It can't be easy. Well, it, it is. And I mean, I, I did my trick for being getting things done is tell everyone I'm going to do it. And then you put cameras on. It's going to be too embarrassing to stop. That's <laughs> my front things. It, it's great being out, but it does get very cold. It was up to minus 10 or down to minus 10 when I was running through Europe last year. Um, different temperatures here, but it's kind of a weird microclimate here in, inside a room. Um, and also you've got no, nothing to feast your eyes on. Uh, at one point I was running through a snowy park. I think that was in, I think that was in Bucharest. And uh, that was a beautiful thing, you know, the snowman was there and, and uh, it was a, you know, a beautiful park anyway, but it was covered in snow and the trees and the bridges and. That was lovely to go around around it, but this is nothing. So the talking to people does actually help. And you actually have a podcast, you? Well, yes, we do, In The Pink Podcast. It's funny because I do actually feel guilty talking to you, particularly because I'm sitting on my backside on a chair while you're puffing away. We, we, we do a lot of running in Formula One. We run the, every circuit. And, uh, and I run with one of the, the, the ex-drivers, Ann Davidson, and he always tries to talk to me on the way round. And by, you know, 5K, I'm like, Ant, just shut up. I'm done. Do, do, do you find it difficult having conversations with people like me? Uh, well, no. Well, see, I, it is a little difficult. Sometimes I have to struggle for breath and, and, uh, and everything when I'm talking to you, just waving to people off who like can donate outside. And because uh, we're at Riverside Studios, we've got the river and then the studios and there's a pathway of people taking their... COVID safe walks or exercise runs. We've got a little poster in a pay station out there. So that's nice. People come up and they just make donations, which is great. And uh, and I should mention on your podcast for when you play it out, anyone can go to eddieizzard.com and uh, make donations from anywhere in the world. It's a very easy thing to do. Hit the donate button. But um, I've gone off the point. Sorry, what was the question? Oh, yeah. Seeing people running. I, I prefer not to see people run because that makes me think seeing you relaxing as long as you look relaxed you can look even more relaxed if you want and then I think I'm yes exactly I think ah I'm actually having a relaxing chat and I get into my head and um, and I uh, get away from my legs you know and I stop worrying about them because I'm thinking of how to answer you what you've said so that's how it works for me but talking I do like talking if I'm running along normally I do like that, and uh, because I, the thing of getting out of your body, I find 
uh, running can be beautiful. You could have a beautiful vista. The temperature could be wonderful. The sun could be coming through, but it could be bloody freezing. And you're just looking at the same roads. You're trying to keep out the wind. And then, you know, I listen to podcasts. I listen to uh, audio books, having a chat. I sometimes phone people up just to have a chat with them when I'm running, just to get out of my head. And how does Marathon 19 compare to the others? Because uh, is one harder than the other? I guess you almost get into a meditative state at some point um, before, you know, maybe the injuries start to, to really hurt. Where does 19 rank? Um, kind of similar. The first 10 are the training for the, for the last 21, because I'm doing 31 in total. So the first 10 are kind of grim, just very grim. And then after that, you do get used to it. I must say, as I, uh, just before I come into the, the room here every morning, because we're in a COVID state, you know, I'm with the Sarah Johnson, um, the event manager, we're in the, the same COVID uh, safe bubble of home and car and here, and then we just go back. We don't actually see anyone. We, things are just delivered to the door. So that's how we do it. And, uh, but coming into the room, I do feel this, Bit of a feeling of dread of god i've got to do this again i've got to do this again and it's still you know once i get over 20 uh so once i've done tomorrow's one then in helsinki i think you know i'm in the 20s and then it's only 31 and boom we're out so it'll be almost just 10 to go so that's it i, I look for things like that to get me through but this marathon's the, the middle marathons and they're, they're a little bit they're a little bit whatever, but talking to people is the great thing. I've talked to some amazing people from all around the world. This, you know, if you think about broadcasting, it's normally in, in a, uh, you know, national area. But I can go out and talk to, we, we can have anyone coming in from anywhere, as you can with your podcast. Um, and we are broadcasting, live streaming, a six and a half hour podcast every day, basically. And talking is obviously what you do best, well, alongside running, of course. You are going to be doing these stand-up gigs at the end of each marathon, which, again, is astonishing. Some in different languages. Um, just yeah. uh, tell us a bit about what uh, comedy brings to your life and tell us um, how you think it's been impacted by COVID. You know, in terms of the creating content, um, has it stifled it? Has it enhanced it? Obviously, live gigs can't happen at the moment. How has it impacted your the industry that you love so much? Well, for the industry, it's very tough. It's really sort of stopped a lot of people being able to an industry who are the performers, be stand-up, be rock and roll, theatre, but also the maybe even more important, the events people who put it on, everyone backstage, the crews, all those events people are just not really being looked at by government in the same way. It's kind of like, well, let's just, we'll concentrate on certain things and we'll kind of ignore other things. And do they get paid? Do they get furloughed? If they're freelance, how does this work? And uh, so a lot of people really struggling there. I'm in a more fortunate situation. I toured last year um, and I, in the last summer, and I toured the year before last, and last summer I, I started doing a lot of outdoor gigs because I used to be a street performer for four years. So I'm happy to go out and do charity shows down in the South Coast where I came from, Bexhill and Eastbourne, the twin sort of towns of where I grew up. Um, grandma born in one and granddad born in the other. And so I did shows in both of those places and that was good to, uh, 
you know, to try and help put something back, get the, the theatres open or get people to do stuff, raise some money. Uh, so I think it's very tough for a lot of people. And But I've been, okay, creating new material doesn't really matter to me. I can, I can do it. I do, actually tend not to write it. I don't write it, actually. I just, when I get on stage, like I'm doing these, I've already done 18 gigs, 17 in English, one in German so far. And uh, I can ad-lib in the middle of them. I have no audience, but I trust my instincts now that if I think something's nice and it's coming out, and I, I might sort of note it down and keep it and build up on it. But... Uh, but generally, as for everyone, you know, in in the world, COVID is hellish. And this is why I'm trying, you know, to make humanity great again. I hope people come out of COVID with the idea of we've got to make stronger connections rather than weaker connections. There is half the country saying, come on, let's separate out. Let's go back to how we were. Maybe it's separate the United Kingdom out, separate the countries out. I just think we go back to that nationalism, that old days. We're never going to make it as, a, as humanity. And uh, so the rest of us are saying, let's make even stronger connections because COVID has shown us some countries did a hard lockdown, hard and fast, and they seem to have done better. Mm. And others, I do believe in our government, he said, let's go slow and we'll try to, you know, ignore it initially. And it was worse for it. And it's, um, you know, New Zealand, probably one of the best reactions that happened. So we need to learn from each other as opposed to closed minds. We're going to do what we're going to do. We've got a vaccine, you know, COVID nationalism. You probably heard about this. I don't think that's, well, I know that's not the way forward. Patriotism, be love your country, be patriotic, absolutely. But my country's better than your country. That's for the 1930s. And I'm trying to encourage humanity to head towards the 2030s, a positive 2030s of learning from each other and, uh, and moving forward. Because what we are all in this together. There will be another COVID. You can bet your bottom dollar. It might, might not be, you know, it might be a variant or whatever, but even not, there'll be another one because there was the SARS, there was an Ebola, there was the Spanish flu, there was a Hong Kong flu in 69, which I remember at school happening. I didn't know people died in that one, but they did. So these things come and they probably keep coming. So we should be ready next time as opposed to another one come along and go, oh, what do we do now? We've forgotten everything. And that would be, that'd be tragic yep. if that happened. The world continues to evolve, and the new norm isn't fully clear yet. But what does remain constant is the core message from our friends at Bose. Stay calm, stay centred, and stay connected. Communication is key in everything we do, and goes a long way to nurturing both ourselves and our relationships with others. So continue to talk about what matters to you. And don't be afraid to block out unhelpful noise or indeed to embrace silence because doing both can be great. Some of the ways we work will have changed forever. Embrace that. Make those new ways work for you. Shape the new norm to suit you. Feel more, do more, be more with Bose. Um, and your own story is such an interesting one in terms of bringing people together and encouraging conversation. And you came out as transgender way back in 85, which seems a hell of a long time ago. I was just a kid. And um, obviously the reaction then, well, I've heard you talk about it, say that, you know, you, you encountered violence at times, certainly a very diff different reaction you would hope to now. 
Um, how do you think we have evolved as a humanity in that respect? It, it is an interesting point because I was actually trying to look at it and say, what actually locks in good and positive and progressive and diverse uh, and, you know, uh, tolerant ways, which must be the way forward if we're being more tolerant or open-minded. What locks that in? Because sometimes you move forward and then another government comes and says, let's repeal those laws. I mean, Trump just did that. Let's yeah. repeal all the agreements and that. Let's use lying as a tool of politics. And uh, I've tried to do it very gradually. And it was, it was uh, I felt very toxic at the time. People, yeah, I have had fights in the street, but hurt people hurling abuse, that was like standard. We have got better, but it's been slowly, slowly. And what I did personally was I thought, I can't be an activist, an overt activist. That won't be the way I do it. What I will do is I will say, I'm out. I, the, the language has changed over the years. So I was TV when I came out. And there was TV and TS, transvestite, transsexual. And I used to think about it and think, well, actually, transgender is the whole group. And there are several subgroups in that. But the language changed over the years, and it became trans and transgender. So that's, that's, what, I, that's what I always was. And I've known since the age of five. But I thought, coming out, and I am resilient. I knew I was resilient. So if people shout at me, I shout back at them. If they fight me, I fight them back. That's what I do, and so I'm the right person to do that fight. Just for myself, initially, create a space for myself so that I could exist in society. That's what I wanted to do. I felt, felt lesbian and gay and bisexual people have done great work since Stonewall, really, and, and probably and before that as well, particularly since Stonewall in 69, to, uh, to knit LGB people into society. We're here, you heard about the pink pound, the pink dollar. People had their disposable income. If people could get away from their prejudices, they could trade with people who had, you know, gay companies, gay, or uh, with gay people, they could say, you are my customers, our customers for our company, and they could uh, make money, which is what makes the world go around. Trans was always toxic and considered outside of it. So that was my job, I knew, to try and knit trans big trans into society and say, hello, we're here. And I've known this since I was a kid. I'm gender fluid. I've got boy genetics, girl genetics. Don't know quite how it works, but it's truthful. It's there. I'm getting the conversation going. Mental health definitely helped my mental health. Um, but it was a fight and I was ready to fight. And I took it on and, you know, came out in 85 and probably 2014 was the tipping point where three things happened in America. The series Transparent was out. It started winning awards uh, about someone who was transitioning, and that was winning Emmys and Golden Globes. Um, there was uh, Caitlyn Jenner got the front cover of Vanity Fair. Big noise around the world on that. Um, Ex-Olympian uh, pentathlete, I believe, or heptathlete. And uh, Laverne Cox, who's black, black uh, uh, trans woman activist and uh, in Oranges of New Black and got Woman, Person of the Year, Woman of the Year with Time Magazine, Life Magazine. And those three things made a big noise out of America. And that kind of helped. And then diversity came in, sort of the word diversity was, was more about. And then, you know, I took, I, someone was screaming at me, not, you know, two, three years ago in the streets, outside my house. So I reported them to the police in our country and Crown Prosecution Service took, took it seriously, as did the police. And they were very positive and progressive about it. 
and that person was prosecuted. And I went to court and magistrates heard the arguments and they found them guilty. Um, the bizarre thing is I came back thinking, okay, job done. This is, they were nasty, they did a hate crime. And so Crown Prosecution Service found against them. But I came out of the train station, just going back home and some other idiot started shouting at me again and pointing. And, uh, and so I, uh, I, I just thought, you know, okay, we got one of them has just been uh, told to stand down and stop being so hateful. There's another one just right there. But, you know, it's less than it was before, but it's still very difficult for people to come out. Actually, it's probably easier for people to come out than ever before, but it's difficult to, there's 10 years after you come out to knit your new gender identity into your own world and society. So that's a difficult point. So a lot of people do find it a, a huge struggle. Um, but I've been through 35 years of, of knitting myself into, into like, you know, doing, doing stand-up in, in girl mode, as I call it. It's like boy mode and girl mode. For me, it's a superhero thing. These are not fantastic, you know, lines, boy mode, girl mode, but man mode and woman mode doesn't work for me. And I can't, if anyone can come up with a better one, I will happily borrow it. But at the moment, that's, that's how I call it. It's interesting because I, I, I still can't get my head right round why people would behave as those two individuals did towards you, and I'm sure countless others. Um, I had Charlie Martin on this podcast, who's the first transgender racing driver. And right. I asked why she thought that it was such a problem for people. She believed that people feel safer if they can pigeonhole you in some way. And a, a sort of lack of understanding, firstly, between gender and sexuality, you know, that confused people. And, and she felt that if you could pigeon, if, if others could pigeonhole you, they somehow felt safer about themselves. Does that kind of tally with your experience? Yes, I'd say that. I'd also say the people who start the hatred usually have started the hatred with themselves. They usually don't like themselves. They have a hatred for themselves. Now, they may disagree with that, but where can you get, if you're happy within yourself and someone comes up to you and says, I am different to you, and surely you go, well, tell me about you. I am curious to know more about you. But if you're not, if you're insecure, if you, and we've got to say that some people have a strong character and some people have a weaker character. If you're a weaker character person and you want to blame, you want to hate, you don't like the situation you're in, and maybe you're in a, in a bad situation, it's not your fault, but lashing out and blaming people who are, you see as other to you. And, you know, you saw the hatred on the 6th of January, uh, the Trump supporters in Washington, D.C. That was hatred. That wasn't mild disagreement. That was violence. Five people died, including a policeman. And uh, you saw that happen. The joy they had of, of doing insurrection, being a mob, being rioting. And that's and Trump encouraged that. He encouraged that because he's he has a very, very, very weak character. One of the weakest characters we've seen in charge of a country. Um, I mean, because whilst we seem more enlightened now, I mean, I was, I was, I felt quite sad that you said it took to 2014 when, when you think that you came out as transgender way back in 85. That's a long period. I love this idea of a kind of bespoke approach, though, that you're knitting your own individual character and story into the wider fabric of 
society. But does it worry you slightly that whilst most people seem to be good and enlightened, there is this sort of polarisation of opinion and many ways the far right have been threatened in a way by what they consider to be this woke generation? Well, if a racist person is threatened by being forced saying that if you're going to use hate crimes and you're going to use your racist racism and your hatred against average people that is a hate crime if they feel pushed back by that and embattled by that well they should seek help yeah. we can't say that if people are doing crimes encouraging hate crimes and, and taking part in hate crimes that we've got to think about that and well how can we make it easier for them to do their hate crimes i don't agree with that with it's, you know, they weren't hate crimes before. We didn't see it that way, and they, but they were all the way back. If you think about the Nazi Germany, was just one big organization of hate crime. It was crimes against humanity from the first word to the last word. Hitler lied upon lie upon lie. No one has lied as much as him, except Trump, bizarrely. But, you know, you say Trump, well, he didn't start a world war. But then if Hitler had been voted out after four years, he wouldn't have had a world war. So we don't know what Trump would have done if it stayed in, but he will be going tomorrow. Yes, so tomorrow. You un I understand the thing. I yes. just want to make that clear that it's, if you're extreme far right, if you're coming from hatred, you're saying, we've got to address this hatred and, and pander to it. I disagree. I say, that's wrong. You're acting out of society. Some people feel they are disenfranchised, but the, the franchise is society. If you're in society, now some people have lost their jobs through no fault of their own, I understand. You're going to be absolutely angry and pissed off about that situation. Obama worked very hard to try and make that better and got the country in a much better situation than Bush had landed it in. And then in comes Trump lying, saying it's American carnage, but he caused American carnage. So the simple thing of lying and coming up with all his fake news, he's the biggest fake president we've ever been. And that kind of style of leadership where lies allowed to use as a tool and pandering to some people who have been racist and sexist, he gave them permission to be that again. That's why some people rule with, we with him very loyal because they want to be racist and they want to be sexist. You saw the Confederate flag in Capitol Hill. That was a fight to continue slavery. You cannot cut it any other way. The Southern states wanted to continue to have their slaves and be able to treat them in, a, in well, again, crimes against humanity. They were just horrible, terrible things happening over 400 years. They wanted to continue that. And you could say state was right, you could say whatever you want, it comes down. They wanted to keep slavery going. And in the end, it was Lincoln and General Grant who gets missed out from this, but those two together, they, uh, they changed America. But still, it's still not quite there. There's still people saying, come on, Confederate flag, let's start this again. And is education the key to this? Because it feels as if you can't be enlightened and you can't see the greater good and the impact of uh, making humanity great again, unless you have been educated to that, to that extent. You know, even if I talk about Charlie Martin and her, the, the amount of uh, misinformation that people have about transgender athletes, for example, in yeah. her case and, and in yours, um, it just seemed to come back to a lack of education, a lack of understanding, a lack of acceptance. A lack of education, absolutely. You know, again, if you take drugs, criminalizing drugs, 
causing a whole lot of criminal class in, in creating the organized crime, the massive organized crime that we see. Just we knew this from prohibition. We knew that's what it does. So probably education and decriminalization is a better way forward. It's not a perfect way forward, but organized crime with with kidnappings, with killings going on and on and on, starting from Al Capone and all those guys and the mafia bosses. We know that's bad. There's brilliant, brave prosecutors in Italy who take on the mafia. And, and you, I just read about one just recently. They're so brave, those prosecutors, those judges in Italy who do this. And we never give them enough thanks for this. So it's, uh, it's something we've, we've just got to... Uh, bear in mind that some people, I think, are lost. So even if you give them all the education, they've made up their mind. They wish to be racist and they wish to be sexist and they wish to be homophobic, transphobic. They feel they should have permission to do that. If you're a white supremacist, how do you get someone who's, in the, who's a determined white supremacist away from that? Because they think white people are supposed to rule the world. That is wrong. We were 20,000 people 200,000 years ago. Now we're 7.8 billion people. It will only work if a fair chance in life is the right of every person in the world. And that's what I'm fighting for. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, take me back to the, the boy mode and the girl mode. Um, you, you decided not to transition. Is that a firm decision? Is that one that you might revisit? Well, I'm based in girl mode now. It's my genetics, they're getting closer and closer to finding out that there seems to be a just genetic thing that the brain gets coded in a different way. Um, I feel I've been transitioning since 1985 and I'm now based as a trans woman, that is my life. But I will, I am gender fluid, so I'm giving myself in a positive way, this doesn't, and I'm saying it's positive permission because it's not affecting anyone. Hatred is when you're attacking someone. I'm not doing hatred, I'm just saying, this is me, my life, so any dramatic role I will play will be in boy mode, but all the running, stand-up, and the politics will be in girl mode. So that's how I'm going to do it. And I knew that since I was five. And I loved, you know, I was in the first team for football when I was a kid. You think that might be very boy-ish, but we know they're brilliant. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. Girl footballers, teenage girl footballers, and women footballers. American football team, uh, the women's national team in America, and Norway and China, lots of them British teams right coming up there. But uh, I think the Americans won the last World Cup. Just amazing football. So... I thought that was a very boyish thing, but no, it's girlish. I wanted to be in forces. I wanted to be in special forces when I was a kid. I had the officer cadetship papers. I'd got them. I was going to do an officer cadetship and then join forces and try and get into the SAS. But I didn't do that. But we now know women are allowed in the British special forces. And women are very good, very good at endurance, very good at struggling on taking it. Women go through childbirth. So um, in the end, we get obsessed with boy, girl, sexuality. But I've said this before, it's kind of an odd story. Tigers are not obsessed with us. If you're attacked by a tiger, it's an extreme situation. You're attacked by a tiger and a tiger's about to, to have you for dinner. The tiger's not going, is it? I think it's a boy, it's girl, it could, long hair, it could be Native American, could be a hippie, not sure, it could be gay, L, LGBT. They don't care, it's just a human being. And we're not going, it's a male tiger, it's a female. I'm not, I'll ask it, it's just, they look this. We get obsessed by it because we're brought up in these different channels and there's this whole thing about the battle between the two, but we are just human beings. And we need to calm down about it, like with the pronouns. Everyone needs to calm down. Um, so I am now, I, I believe officially I have been, been promoted to she. And I feel very honored to be called she and her, referred to as she and her. But other people are calling me he and that's fine. And I'm gonna have a very elastic period of that. But uh, even when I do dramatic roles, we've decided they decided in the film company, they were referred to me as she and her, and that's great. But if some people won't, I just say, call me Eddie, call me mate, call me mush, call me whatever. It doesn't, you don't have to have a big problem about it. So we need to calm down on the pronouns. Well, you've got that great versatility. I'll tell you something, Eddie, when I was a kid, probably about 10 years old, um, I, I love running like you. Uh, but I couldn't get enough girls together to make a four by 100 meter relay team. So I cut my hair off. I didn't have any boobs then anyway. And right. I passed myself off as a boy to get through to the national finals. <laughs> and it was, only, it was only when I got busted walking out of the loo, the girls' loo, that they realised, they said, what's your name? And I said, Pinkham. They said, no, what's your first name? And I said, Nat, hoping that that Nathan would be accepted. And they said, are you a girl? And at that point, I had to admit it. But I remember thinking in that very moment that I never wanted my gender to define my ability, my athletic ability. Yeah. Yeah, so when you were in the, in the finals, you were in the national team? We were disqualified because I was a girl. So it was three boys and me. And when they found out I was a girl, we were disqualified. I mean, like, to look at, I just looked like a little boy. Uh, hang on, what, what age? And was it after you did the event you were disqualified before? Yeah, so we we'd got through to the finals and we were disqualified before the fight before we could perform in the finals. And, and what it, age were you? So I would have been probably ten or eleven. Yeah, well, this is a very important point. Carry on, Sam, and I'll tell you my point. I've got to. No, I just, I just, I was heartbroken at the time because I knew I couldn't get to that level of competition as a girl because there weren't the same opportunities thirty years ago for girls. And um, I felt sad that I had to pretend to be a boy. I quite enjoyed being a boy. Um, and, I, and I got 
best performance out, but there was this massive sense of injustice at the time for me. So I'm interested to know from you what you get from boy mode versus girl mode and why you've been able to make that distinction between, you know, the politics and the, the, the running as a woman, but the, the drama as a man. Well, you see, if you think about it, I do look, there's an aesthetic look that we take as given. And you could try and muck around with the aesthetic look, saying that person looks like a boy, that looks like a girl, that person looks like a man, looks like a woman. You could try and say, no, they don't. But we do have a collective aesthetic look. And I tend to look more boyish, more mannish, than more female. Some people, some men are very pretty and... And if they uh, were in girl mode, if they transition, you go, boom, that, that's, that's a woman. But people tend to know I'm a trans woman. They tend to know I'm uh, someone who's transitioning or whatever. And so if I went up for roles, so, so as in boy roles, then I'm, I'm just immediately in there. That's what I've done all my life. And that's what I've been trying to do. If I said I'm going to play female roles, I won't get those roles. They won't give it to me because they say, well, that's a trans woman. So I might get trans roles, but they are kind of thin on the ground. So I'm yeah. being somewhat practical. And I've been wanting to be a dramatic actor since the age of seven before the comedy. So now, you know, I was in the Victorian Abdul with Judy Dench, Stephen Frears film. I was chosen for that. And I was chosen for that not because I was well known in the comedy film or the hit comedy sitcom. I didn't do any of that. I blocked all that. I actually came off that mountain track, which is going up the comedy mountain, and I went to the bottom of the drama mountain, and I hacked my way up that separate mountain to get uh, the place where Stephen Frears has introduced me. He came and saw me, and he thought, I want that energy playing Edward VII. And, and he, he's, Stephen, he's quite a bear of a guy. And he doesn't give compliments easy. But when we were doing the press for Victorian Abdul, he did. I said, why did you choose me? He says, I don't know why I chose I said, but what, how was how was I? He says, well, you were better than I thought you were going to be. So I said, that's a bloody compliment. That's a Stephen Frears compliment. So, so, uh, so that's what I've pushed for for all these years. If I now say I'm not doing any male roles, and, you know, that is part of my genetics. I think we're all on the spectrum. So there's some parts of me that totally line up, boy and some don't, and some line up girl, I can't quite analyze it because if you analyze, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to that thing that I was going to talk about yes. when you're saying young boys and young girls are the same, but if you analyze what is the essence of masculinity, the essence of femininity, you'll find there's almost nothing that's not in both camps. So you could say masculinity is determined. Well, women can be determined. Uh, leaders, women can be great leaders. Um, good at sports, women can be great sports, great athletes, great football players, uh, good in forces. Women, throughout the centuries, women have been great fighters. In the, in the Russian army, in the Second World War, in the Israeli army, we know this. There's nothing that's uh, caring. Men can be great nurturing as well as women. Uh, design, women can be designers, men can be designers. There just is nothing that's in one camp, except that if you have more testosterone in your body, uh, you have the ability to build muscle mass easier. That's it. And that, as a, as a part of humanity, was something 70,000 years ago. As soon as the cognitive revolution happened 70,000 years ago, we should have said this. Having big muscles does not help the tribe work, the group work, civilization work. It's just people going around. They can pick up rocks and stuff, and they can punch people. But we'll leave that. We'll put that somewhere else. 
it's the brain power. So women have owned back rights and back pay since 70,000 years ago. Um, so that's what I feel on the masculinity and feminine. And I can't quite say when it crosses over, but I do know if someone calls me, first of it's her or she, it feels wonderful. And I'm very happy being a trans woman. And, and, and hormone therapy, is that something that you'd consider or have you, you undergone yes, it? Yes, it's there. It's there, but I am gender fluid, as I've said many times. Mm. So I could go one way and then go, well, actually, I better take the other, you know, hormone therapy to get more feeling like this. Yeah. I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle or maybe more with a trans woman now. So I don't quite, I haven't got all the answers. I haven't got a magic wand. I don't believe there's a floaty God up there uh, because if so, that God has come up with the weirdest plan about the whole of humanity and all the other animals and all the other planets in the universe. But if you just take it as, as uh, time going on and coming through the Darwinian theories and selection and however that happens, I'm just here, we're just here and I'm trying to be as open as I can about it. So I'm leaving everything open, but uh, I wish to be based as a trans woman now. And it seems or in the UK, all the organizations, well, maybe in America as well, it became this item. And, uh, you know, I've been out for 35 years. It's as if the entire world said, oh, you're really serious about this. We <laughs> thought you were mucking about for 35 years. Yeah, but yes. people, people think it was part of your stand-up act, didn't they? They thought it was just a, a bit of a gimmick. Yeah, in early days, people said, so you're, it's a drag thing. And a drag act do a fantastic job at their work and jobs and, well, the job as the work that they do. But that's not what I do. I'm just someone who happens to be trans. And here's my surreal Python-influenced comedy. But people thought it was part of that. And I said, no, that's me. That is me. And that was the difference. Remember the glam rock period? Um, and uh, David Bowie. I love David Bowie, but I don't think he was ever trans. I'm not even sure if he, I think he was bi-curious, but if you take the look at the later part of his life, he was very, he was a straight male. I think he was happy to be there. Yeah. He wasn't terribly bi-curious later on, but David did wonderful things. But that period was a place, you know, where Elton John was, bi, you know, said bisexual, but actually was gay. And that, that was his way of transitioning through or going through. So I didn't want to be a part of glam rock. You know, uh, we had the Blitz kids, and uh, near romantics. I didn't want to do that because it'd be art, it's artifice. That's not really you. You're really as straight as all, you know, straight. But no, in fact, I'm sort of a, a wannabe lesbian. That's what I always was, what I wanted to be. So um, that's what I am now. In the Pink and Bows want to support you in whatever way we can during these uncertain and constantly evolving times. So we're giving away more noise-cancelling headphones to bring some added calm to your life. To win the headphones, just tag in the three friends you're most looking forward to reconnecting with once lockdown is fully lifted. Always include the hashtag Bose, and those headphones could be yours. Good luck and stay connected. It feels and sounds as if you found this tremendous sense of freedom. And, and, and maybe that sort of aligned with your running offers you that. Like, is, is that how you feel, like spiritually, emotionally and, and physically when you're running? You're putting trans there with the, the idea of being trans, the idea with running or you separately? Like, I feel like obviously the, the, the 35 period, 35 year period that you've come has been the gradual transition to, 
to you finding your own personal freedom. I wonder if that is sort of reflected in any way with your running. Like, what, what does running give you to that same extent? Well, I'd say that running, running is really the bottom line of running for me is to regain the health I had when I was a kid. Um, and I think we all need to do this. Match fit for life should be everyone's motto because if you don't use this thing enough, it will break down. And the more you use it, the, the, the better, the weller you are, the, the healthier you are. It's, it's odd. You think you're pushing, oh, you're pushing it too much. But I'll come out of this. I haven't got a cold. I've been tested for COVID a whole bunch of times. Maybe being this fit is helping me. I hope it is. And I remember seeing tiger, uh, lions, lions in Africa. And they had the cub, lion cubs. We were on a safari going by. And the lion cubs were playing. You know, they're doing the mock hunting. They're running up and down, scuffing each other. Like, you know, that any baby young animal of any type would do uh, that kind of, kind of play. And that's what humans do is young kids running about, very active, or quite a, not, not all kids, but quite a lot of them. And then you saw the adult lions sitting under a tree and the, the, the guides were saying, well, they eat every four days. But, so they do nothing for four days. They sleep, they hang about, they do that, but they are fit, match fit for life. And uh, the, when the lion goes in, he's doing a, a yoga Pilates regime of crawling in upwind towards gazelles or whatever it is, really amazingly slowly. And imagine if we did that, the fitness you get out of that. And then they run as fast as a train. So they are match fit for life. Yeah. And I thought that's, that's what we are designed to be. And uh, so that's, I, it gives me, the running gives me this. If you're, tra if you're a trans woman and you're also running multiple marathons, that does help in a way. Certain people would say, oh, you're trans. So uh, I was trying to define this thing of soft and hard. Trying to use these, I'm trying to find the right word for this. I'm using soft and hard here. You might say generally the male, you say, oh, with well, harder, in, in masculinity, it's a harder thing. And femininity, it's soft, but soft can be hard as well. You can have, you know, you can have silk that is soft, but strong. You can be soft, but strong. And that's what I'm trying to be. I'm trying to express a feminine side of myself, but showing I am strong. I'm determined. I'm an endurance runner. And a lot of women are great endurance runners. And, you know, now in special forces. So we need to constantly update. Some people won't want to hear this. They just want to go, no. What it was in the old days, men are this and women in the kitchen. I say bullshit to all of that. We, that was always rubbish. That was always rubbish. And we have found right in, in developing countries, women with microfinancing are the ones that keep the family going. It is not the men. It is the women who get the microfinancing and get things set up. That is very interesting. So I want to encourage the empowerment of women and, uh, and equal rights for women, which should have been there, as I said, for 70,000 years. It feels like you've got the best of both worlds. You can kind of draw strengths from girl mode and boy mode and, and hopefully be empathetic with both genders because you can you can see the world from both perspectives in a way hopefully. that very few can. Hopefully so. But I've also found there's quite a lot of men who seem quite traditional men just around by my house. And, you know, guys are kind of gruff guys. They go, hello, Eddie. Hello, mate. And they just, and that might be something to do with, yeah, he, she runs these marathons. Yeah. And 
again and again. And this is, you know, one marathon grade two, even two in two days. That's the thing you could do. If you say I once did two in two days, you could dine out on that for quite a long time. But I've now, this is going to be, it's going to be coming up to, well, this is the 118th that I've run for charity, quite apart from all the ones I've done for training. So, and so um, do you feel that people's uh, opinion and approach to you has changed since, because, you know, this requires an iron will. There's no two ways about it. Incredible tenacity and application, focus, um, as you say, that both men and women can tap into. But do you feel that public opinion has changed towards you since doing these, what, starting yes. back in 2006? 2009, yeah, was the first one. And then 2016, was it? And yeah, well, actually, there's a hidden one, 2012, which is very important. So 2009 was the 43 around the UK. Yeah. Uh, with, but days off, one day off a week. And then 2012, I attempted 27 marathons in 27 days for Nelson Mandela. Got rhabdomyolysis after four days. So I was in hospital. And they said, you continue. It's shredding the muscles and going into your bloodstream. It'll, it'll, your kidneys will stop functioning. And then when one major organ goes out, they all go out and then you die. Oh so God. you carry on, you're dead. And it was that. And he said, Dr. Shasha, salute to Dr. Shasha, wonderful black South African doctor. His dad was in the World Health Organization. He's very proud of his dad. And he, he had to go and get a book. That was it. He said, sit here. I'm going to get a book. You've got to check on this. Symptoms of rhabdomyolysis. And uh, he said, yeah, this is rhabdo. I'm pretty sure you've got to go to bed now. So I was in the hospital and I had to go and see special. They said, you've got to stop. You've got to get out of your system. And uh, what caused it? Uh, I had I had slightly high cholesterol, only slightly high. So I was taking a prescription drug for that. And uh, that, that, um, that, that one of the side effects is rhabdo. So it took me ages to learn to say rhabdo my license. <laughs> yeah, well. And you're dyslexic as well. So that can't have been easy to get your head around. Is it? Uh, not easy. And now I've got tina, Tino Sinovitis. Oh, it took me three days to learn. What is but that? That is where the inflammation around the tendons and the sheath that the tendons are in, the sheath gets inflamed and you can hear the tendons creaking when you move your foot. I recorded it at four in the morning and sent it off to my physio, Tim. And he said, yeah, that's Tino Sinovitis. So it's, it's on my Twitter feed. If people go to my Twitter feed, they can hear yeah. the recording of my tendons creaking like a door hinge. Oh my God. Um, before you but, go, I really want to hear about your political aspirations. Oh no, hang on, we talk about the 10 year old boy girl thing. Yeah. Sorry. If you look at it, young boys and young girls can cross dress with impunity. If you just swap them around, they yeah. look the same. Young girls hold on to the long hair like a mantra, like a, yeah. with an iron will, because it says that they are girls. It's interesting that you had a, the courage and also the, the inner confidence said, actually, I'm going to cut my hair because I want to do this or however it came around. But you will know, you'll probably guess that most of the girls that you knew at that time had long hair. Yeah. Which hey. said, I am a girl because because otherwise you can't really tell from the face that that aesthetic thing you cannot tell. Now, older men and older women also look the same. You, yeah, it looked the same. Now, women do HRT, which is hormone uh, replacement therapy and that's that's hormone and that's kind of what if you're doing transitioning you're putting it's the same hormones it's adding estrogen in but mother nature says i need you guys to look different 
so that you could be attracted so we could get more babies so I get more of this species. That's how I'm going to do it. That's mother nature. And so I, I believe this is a radical idea and doctors can work it out, but I may as well say it so someone can at least say, no, it's not. But I think the puberty for a boy is, in, is a similar thing to menopause for a woman. Because men, women start getting hair growing where they don't want it growing, upper lip stuff, the stuff happening there, and they're going, this is not, they start to look more like men again. You know, women say, I do not want that look because I'm a woman. I don't want to be that, that look. So there's something because young boys, so girls carry on in a certain way, and there's obviously breasts grow. But for boys, there's other things, the voice changing and the bones moving and this, this, that radical thing. And then later on in life, old men and old women, like young boys and young girls, you you couldn't actually tell the difference if you, if they were just swapping clothes around, um, which is curious. Yeah, so true. I remember watching The Secret Life of Five Year Olds, and they and they and they they put a big emphasis on the boys were saying, "Well, we're stronger because we're boys." And the expert came on and said, "Well, that's just not true because the the the, the strength." that men do gain it comes with uh, puberty and that won't happen until they're teenagers and so actually boys and girls are exactly the same strength so at 10 I probably was just as strong as the other boys on my team yeah yeah, yeah. And, De and Della Hunt was a, a big girl at school and she used to beat us up if we, if we got in her way so it's uh, <laughs> but it's you know it's the um and we know this is a problem with uh, a, a discussed problem of testosterone in the body and there's that South African uh, athlete in the Olympics. After Semenya. Yeah, she had more testosterone than was normal, but she is a woman. And then what do you do? And then how do you judge it? And then you could say, well, an elite athlete might have an advantage just because they're genetics. So it gets into this tricky place. Yeah. Um, I'm not in the sporting thing. Endurance sports, I don't think anyone cares. And I'm not going for records. I'm just... Uh, doing my 31, a simple 31 marathons and 31 games. And now, you know, you don't have to, it doesn't, I don't think anyone cares if I've got more testosterone or less testosterone because it's all about humanity and that. But yes, tell me about, ask me about politics. I was, oh, yeah, I, I was just going to say before we get onto the politics that you ran past me very quickly near Kew Bridge recently and you were, you know, fully made up and everything else. And I just thought, what well, is quite high maintenance to put makeup on for a run. And yet, obviously, you, you do that because it, it does something, it, I don't know, empowers you or what, but... I, I, well, let, let's cover that because it's not ready for makeup. It's a tinted moisturiser, but if not, I just actually have blotchy skin. So <laughs> about that. you can do that as a guy. But I just, it's just really... I do the lashes. I wasn't doing lashes before, but I thought, decided to try the lashes because yeah. my lashes are very fair and very short. So I like that, and it gives a more feminine look to my eyes. Then there's a bit of eyebrow and lipstick, and that's it. Right. It's not, you know, I'm not doing colors on the eyes and stuff, and, yeah. and I'm not doing shaping or anything. It's just make me look, I wish to look more feminine. I'm a trans woman, so, and I do naturally look maybe slightly more boyish. So that's what I do. But women do this as well. You may not do this, but other women do this. No, no, I do. Like all through um, lockdown, I was working out how to do my lashes because um, you obviously can't go to like beauty salons and stuff at the moment. But just having lashes on, and I, I, you know, I'm a mum of two young kids and I'm knackered the whole time. But then I have to jump on a Zoom call and broadcast Formula One content. Um, so actually just having lashes on alone is enough to make me feel, you know, a bit more confident. 
Yeah. Well, I was being advised yesterday by an ultramarathon runner woman on, that uh, Eyelure have these new magnetic ones. You put on yeah. a, you put on this black eyeliner. You can put those on. But have you have you had eyelashes or, or makeup on when when running? Because because there are people in. If you look at the again the footballers in the national teams, some were wearing some makeup and some weren't. Some had nails painted, some didn't. Yeah. And it's their choice, and it's a, a woman's choice. So it's yeah. also a trans woman's choice, and I choose. Couldn't agree more. Um, Flojo, I remember. You remember the 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 sprinter, the American sprinter. She used to have these long talons, these beautiful nails, and all. She used to have, her hair was beautifully done, and loads of makeup. And you know, she was an unbelievable athlete. Um, sad story around it her. Didn't, 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 well, it didn't slow it down, did it? No, absolutely not. If anything, feeling confident and comfortable and attractive, you know, powered her on. Um, so yeah, politics. I'm so interested in this. I actually read politics at university and I've never used it, but I've always been fascinated by it. So where are your political aspirations? Because I suppose they probably would have been hit by COVID as well, would they? No, not really. Um, I, I said for 10 years that I wanted to run in that May 2010 election that was set under the Cameron um, change in laws. And the, the, Current conservative government that said there'll be every five years there'll be an election. Then that all changed. So it was the end of 90, uh, 2019. I tried to do that. Was it 2019? Yes, 2019. So I tried to get a seat in that election. Uh, for whatever reason, that didn't happen. So I'm now ready to go. And I'd like to, if there was a by election that came up uh, that was a good fit, I would go for that. If not, the next election. But I'm not having a go at this. I am going in. I want to be a member of parliament, as Glenda Jackson was, uh, or a politician as Arnold Schwarzenegger was. Yeah. And then later, later on, they both came out and carried on their creative careers. And Arnold Schwarzenegger has been posting some very sensible, as a Republican, uh, he's been posting some very sensible stuff, pushing back on Trump and the rioters doing insurrection and talking about him being born in Austria after the Nazis. Mm. And his dad used to beat him. And his dad was someone who, he said, everyone went along with the lies, step after step after step. They chose to believe the lies. And uh, so, anyway, that's just Arnold Schwarzenegger putting, I've retweeted those a number of times. But I personally, I'm there, I'm a fighter, and I want to fight, and I want Keir Starmer to be the next prime minister, and I want to help that fight. So I'll keep fighting. And you call yourself a radical moderate. Yeah, I do radical things with a moderate message. This is pretty damn radical. 31 marathons there, 31 gigs afterwards, uh, raising money for charity. The message is moderate. Make humanity great again. Not one country, not one continent, not a group of people. Don't make the rich richer. Don't do lies. Just everyone has the right to have a fair chance in life. Doing languages, gigs in languages, pretty damn radical. Again, making connections stronger, coming out as trans, pretty radical, but again, it's true. Mental health for everyone who is LGBT plus, come out, get the conversations going. Humanity learns from this. So I try to lead by doing that. That is my showing my leadership. And uh, it's these are radical things I'll continue to do, but my message is moderate because I want, I want every positive person in the world to have a decent life as they can. And the people who are absolutely hating and just using their hate and inciting hatred, I want them to back down and back off. Well, I tell you what, you'll certainly get my vote. 
Thank you. You are a remarkable human being. I'm delighted to have you here on the podcast. I will make sure that everybody knows exactly how to donate. They go to eziazar.com, make humanity great again. And five fabulous causes that you're supporting. Can you just quickly uh, tell us about that? It could be more than five, but the five that we're highlighting are Care International, Covenant House, Fair Share on Food food Against Food Waste, getting it out to kids, Walking with the Wounded, and Unite to Combat Against Neglected Tropical Diseases. And you go to ediazard.com, and you can donate from anywhere in the world. Uh, and that's how it works. So impressive. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your energy and being able to be so eloquent and articulate while still running. That is, that's uh, no mean feat. Thanks very much. Good to talk to you. It's lovely to talk to you. Thanks again and good luck. Wow. What a woman. I can't believe we had such a great conversation all while she was running. I don't think I could even string a sentence together under that kind of pressure. Um, but yes, thank you so much for your time, Eddie, and for your team for organising this. Now, here are some more details on the campaign and how you can donate. So you just need to go to eddieizzard.com, hit the donate button and donate as much as you like via their crowdfunder site. Or if you have a UK phone, you can send a text to donate £10. Just text the word 10, T-E-N, to 70810. That's 70810. To donate £20, just text the word 20 to the same number, 70810. The five charities Eddie is raising money for are Fair Share, Care International UK, Covenant House, based in New York, Walking with the Wounded and Uniting to Combat Neglected Tropical Diseases. A whole array of great causes and as as Eddie touched on then, other causes may be added to that list. Uh, Listen, I mean... I could talk to her all day long. What an interesting woman. What a life she has led and what a difference she is making to the world as a whole and um, doing her very best as we all should be to pull together and be stronger as one and accept live and let live, I think, is um, clearly what we can take away from that. Thanks, Eddie. Thank you for listening. Please do get in touch and... Don't forget, you can still win plenty of Bose goodies that you never know might just make that little difference through lockdown. Some decent headphones would sort us out, wouldn't it? Give us a bit of sanctuary, peace and quiet from the madness. Um, Until next time, friends, I will speak to you soon here on In The Pink. Take care, stay safe and stay connected. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.